You're listening to Shalise's podcast. So awesome. All right, you guys, well, let's pray and let's go. Awesome. All right. Well, Father, I thank you for this new podcast series. I thank you that you are a God that's all about the heart. Thank you, God, that you are a God of love, that your perfect love casts out fear and that it is the core nature of who you are. Uh, Love is who you are. And Father, thank you that you've created a heart within us so that we could connect to your heart. In fact, you gave us a new heart. You put your spirit within us. You recreated us in Christ first and foremost, so that we could experience your love, so that we could experience your presence, so that we could experience life, your life, Lord, in all of its abundance and all of its fullness. And so today as we kick this off, Holy Spirit, we just say, take us where we need to go. Shine the light on what you want us to see. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding, Father, so that we can know the hope of our calling, what it means to be a new creation in Christ and live from the heart and understand our heart because we have a connection to your heart. And so, Holy Spirit, just take us where we need to go. I yield uh, my faculties to you right now. I offer myself as a living sacrifice. Uh, Just think through my mind, speak through my mouth, teach us today um, how to live in the victory of Jesus and how to live in a place of wholeness, Lord, connected to our heart, uh, where we are uh, channeling your love and experiencing your love to the extent that you uh, love. And so we just give you thanks. We give you praise for it. And we give you all the glory in Jesus name. Amen. Well, awesome, you guys. I'm really excited about this new uh, podcast and about this topic because I know in my own life, I've had kind of a lot of confusion around, you know, what exactly is my heart? You know, it says guard your heart above all things, right? For out of it flow the issues of life. Uh, You know, it talks about David being uh, a man after God's own heart. And I know, you know, we probably like if you're like me, like you think you have an idea of what the heart is. But, you know, I've also heard so many different teachings about the heart, right? I've heard, you know, teachings out there that say that the heart of a man is like the subconscious of man, that uh, meaning it's it's like a part of our mind, right? I've heard, uh, you know, obviously Jesus talk about being a healer of the brokenhearted. So, you know, there's a concept about that that makes you think, well, I don't know if that's the subconscious mind, because if I have a broken heart, that means that someone has, you know, uh, hurt me and caused pain into this part of me that loves, right? And so I don't know that love necessarily comes out of our subconscious mind, you know? And then I've heard teachings, you know, about the mind being the will and the emotions and the intellect and the imagination because people have taught about the spirit, soul, and body. And so if we're talking about the spirit, soul, and body, well, where's the heart in that, you know? Is it in our soul? Is it in our body? Is it in our mind? Like, what is this, you know? And then there's just so many things that the scripture talks about, about the heart. So I wanted to just kick off this first episode in this podcast with just an understanding of the heart from a scriptural perspective. And so I've taken some time, I've done some study around this, because as you guys know, I love the topic of 
our inner world, right? I, I am, I love the, the topic of mind renewal. I love, um, you know, I just taught on uh, the God of desire and talking about the desires of our heart, right? So I just love, I, I recognize that, um, real prosperity comes from the inside out, right? Um, third uh, John too says, you know, beloved, I pray that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers, right? I, 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 my whole entire real, you know, focus and and ministry and and our company rethink is founded on romans 12 2 right don't be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed or be transfigured by the renewing of your mind and so you know i've been studying the mind and studying neuroscience and studying the how do we actually renew our minds if that's how the key to being transfigured meaning is that if that's the key to releasing the life of god through us like jesus on the the mount of transfiguration where you know all of a sudden his flesh kind of poured, you know, melted away and he was standing there in all of his glory. You know, I, I just, these are, this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And I just also think that it's really confusing depending on who you listen to. I mean, I've heard, you know, people talk about the, you know, the five gates and, you know, I mean, there's just so much teaching out there that, you know, uh, we don't even know what we're, you know, sometimes I just think we don't even know what we're talking about. And that's, that's just at least my experience. And so I wanted to try to bring some clarity to this concept. And as always, I wanted to bring a scriptural perspective, but I also wanted to talk about, you know, the developments in modern science and the understanding of how uh, the mind, body, spirit connection and how we are, you know, designed to function uh, in, our, in wholeness, meaning where all of these components of our our lives are meant to to uh, exist and function in harmony with one another and that we really can't dissect ourselves into a soul and into a body and into a mind and into our hearts because it's an integrated it's an integrated whole i mean so i want to start today by just you know kicking off kind of what what scripture is really referring to when uh, it talks about our heart uh, because you have to realize that scripture is being written from a very ancient, pre-modern science perspective. And as I did the research around this topic, and I've been researching it for you know many years at this point, uh, what I found is that you know biblical author, authors did not have an understanding of the heart or understanding of really how human beings function the way that we do in you know modern times right they did not have a concept of neuroscience they didn't have a, they didn't have a concept of physics they didn't have a concept of quantum physics they didn't have an you know they didn't have scientific language to describe anatomy frankly um so let's talk a little bit about that so i want to talk first of all about the hebrew concept of the heart and so there is there really are two words in the hebrew and i'm going to be referring to my notes today because it's a lot of information um that really are translated uh heart okay and those words are lavav and lev so l-e-v-a-v -V is lavav and the other word for this is lev okay and, you know, when you look about, look at um, different cultures, right, throughout history, they had different conceptions even of how the body worked, right? They, they did refer to the heart as an organ in the chest that sustains life, okay, specifically in Hebrew, in the scriptures, and in 1 Samuel 25, 37, it says, Naval's heart died inside of him and he became like stone. 
So there was an understanding that there was an organ in our bodies that was the heart that was connected to being alive, right? So there was that understanding, but there was also a lot of ways in scripture and in, in the Hebrew culture that uh, people talked about the heart in ways that really kind of don't make sense to modern reason, uh, modern readers. <clears throat> and the reason for this is that ancient Hebrew did not have a concept of the brain. Okay. Now I know this may come as news to everybody, but there was no word that, that described the brain. Okay. They actually imagined that all intellectual activity uh, took place in the heart. Okay. So I want to kind of just stop and like, let that seek in for a moment, because what this means is that the ancient authors of the Bible really combined the heart and the brain into one thing. And when you understand that, you can start to understand why uh, scriptures and Proverbs and other places kind of blend these concepts of a heart and a brain together. Um, so for example, they believed and they thought that your heart is where you understand things and you make connections, right? This is why in Proverbs, it talks about wisdom dwelling in the heart, okay? The heart was also the place that they described that you discerned between truth and error. So the heart is where you, you thought of, uh, where you, where you were thinking from, and it's how you made sense of the world. So that would, in other words, that would be, that is where your perception came from, right? So you perceived things through your heart from an ancient biblical author perspective. Um, it also was the place where you felt all of your emotions. So there, that's why you would have pain in your heart. And the phrase broken heart actually comes from ancient Israel and Hebrew. Um, it's where you experienced fear. So fear was coming from your heart. It talks about in, in the Old Testament that, you know, our hearts can melt. They can be depressed. They can be, um, uh, distressed, right? It also talks about how your heart is where you feel and you experience joy and happiness, right? That's why they talk about a happy heart or a good heart is to have a heart of joy. So in ancient Hebrew culture and in ancient Hebrew language, the heart was the generator of physical life for sure, but it was also the center of your intellectual and emotional life. So all of these things were combined into one uh, concept. Okay. It's also the places, the, the heart was the place that you made decisions, where you made choices and that were motivated by your desires. Right. So for example, David had a desire. It was in his heart to build a temple for God. So he had a desire to build a temple. He had an idea that came from his heart. Okay. It was, it, it was described as where your affections were centered. Right. Again, we talked about desires of the heart. Okay. And if you really wanted something. Okay. David said, Nathan said to David in second Samuel uh, seven, three, that whatever is in your heart, go and do it. Meaning if you had a desire, if you really wanted something, then it was in your heart to do it. And, and so the heart is the center from a Hebrew perspective of human existence. Okay. It's the very center and it encompasses emotional life, intellectual life, and uh, physical life. So this was, you know, the organ, the very center of our existence 
from an ancient Hebrew biblical perspective, okay? Now, uh, i also say this, right? So in the Old and New Testament, something that sometimes people don't realize is that the words spirit and soul, the words that are translated spirit and soul, um, are many times used interchangeably. Okay. And the idea that, you know, we are tripart beings really comes from one scripture. And let me just give you the scripture reference because I don't have that written down. Um, but let me um, just pull it up really quick. So it's from, uh, I think it's First Thessalonians. Uh, uh, it says, talks about being sanctified and spirit, soul, I'm just right here. Let me just look it up. So it's in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And uh, in the NIV, it says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. It says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this, this scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 has been the basis, really, of so much teaching that has come out of really charismatic circles and possibly evangelical circles, but I'm more familiar with the evangelical teachers where they really hone in on the concept that we are tripart, spirit, soul, and being. And when we focus on spirit, soul, and being in this tripart teaching, we don't really ever talk about the heart, right? We just talk about the spirit, which, you know, if you listen to these teachings, it's usually that our spirit is holy, our spirit is perfect, that that's where the regenerated man is, it's in our spirit, that we've got this soul, which means that we have, that's our mind, will, emotions, intellect, and imagination. They kind of compartment compartmentalize, sorry, um, those five things into our soul. And then, of course, we have our body. And the problem with that, okay, uh, it, number one, it's one scripture, okay? There isn't a plethora of scriptures in the Bible that talk about spirit, soul, and body as clearly as it's been taught, okay? Uh, many times the same word that is uh, translated spirit is also translated soul. So there's like this you know, which is it? Is it the spirit or is it the soul? And uh, the other problem with that is that, you know, I talked about Gnosticism in our last series when I talked about the God of desire. And what Gnosticism does is it separates a kind of secular and uh, uh, spiritual life, right? And so it has this, that the, the natural part of the world is evil, okay? And that the spiritual part of the world is holy and good, right? So it vilified the natural realm. It vilified the physical body. And it, you know, uh, said things that are spiritual, right? So spiritual disciplines, our spirit is holy. Our, our spirit is sanctified, right? Our spirits are sealed. And so we have this by default, this kind of this kind of division within the human being, right? Like our spirit is good, our souls are dirty, right? Our bodies are evil, our bodies are are unsanctified, right? Or something like, so we, we just, you know, we talk, talks about the flesh and we think about the flesh and the natural being evil. And then the spirit, spiritual is good and holy. And the problem is that, that this is a lot of the heresy that was going on in the apostle Paul's day, right? Because a lot of the false gospels out there, they were even going as far to say that Jesus didn't come in the flesh <clears throat> because the flesh is evil, right? So there was a heresy. There was a, and they called it the antichrist message. And so if you ever really want to study Gnosticism at all, you know, maybe go back and listen to my other podcast, but Gnosticism was a philosophy that came from Greek culture that really, um, 
influenced a lot of people in the the right in the day that the New Testament was written. And it's still um absolutely uh you know it has infiltrated the church in our day, right? That's why we think certain things are spiritual and certain things are natural. Like, you know, going to church and reading our Bibles and praying is the spiritual activity, but going on a walk or playing with our kids or uh doing non-spiritual things. And so we have this value system based upon, you know, these things are valuable and these things are temporal, right? I mean, people go so far in this to uh, live, you know, like a prayer and fasted lifestyle because they're avoiding the evil in the world. They're avoiding the natural realm, you know? And so there's been a lot of things that have a lot of offshoots and a lot of thinking, ways of thinking that have come from really this confusion around spirit, soul, and body, and an understanding of these words from a biblical author standpoint. And specifically now that we have science, right? We have we have modern science that definitely tells us more about our brains and tells us more about our minds and tells more about the mind-body connection and that our minds and our bodies are built to function in an, as a whole. In fact, they've done studies to say that the, the heart has an intelligence, that it has neurons, it has uh, intelligence in the same way, not to the extent it doesn't have as many neural pathways and it doesn't have as much complexity from a thinking perspective as the brain, but that we have heart intelligence, that our hearts are, are intelligent and that these are working together, that there is that the brain and the heart are working together, the body, the brain, the heart, all of it's working together, right? And so then we have, okay, then there's a spirit, <laughs> you know, so it just gets, uh, you know, hopefully I've done a good job of just kind of explaining how we can kind of get lost in all this terminology and, and an understanding of scripture. So, um, the main thing to recognize is that when you are reading scripture, that this is all kinds of, you know, globbed in into one thing in scripture when they talk about the heart. And, you know, early church, um, throughout most of church history, again, not that it's right or not that it's wrong, but they really did refer to the spirit and the soul interchangeably. It was really thought that we were bipart beings. Uh, meaning that the spirit and the soul were one part, and then there was the physical part of us. So there was, and, and that the spirit and the soul were so interconnected, intertwined that you could not separate them. And frankly, a lot of what's out there, because we've, you know, we've got this separation between the spirit, soul, and body, or we've got this separation between the heart and the head. Like again, there's all this separation. And one of the things that we have to kind of renew our minds to, and this is just true in every phase of the gospel, is that oneness is really what Jesus came to um, restore, right? He came to restore, there's one spirit, one body, one mind, you know, there's one um, uh, baptism, right? There's one man, one new man, one body of Christ that we are not just in union with Jesus, but we are in union with one another. And I think when you go into, you know, topics like quantum physics, some of these things start to make a little more sense because they, they just, in quantum physics, they talk about something called the unified field, which the unified field is this, um, I don't know what they would call it, except this, this force, right? This force that holds all things together, uh, and joins all things together. And, you know, this is not going to be a lesson in quantum physics, but it's this idea of we are connected. We are connected to one another. We are connected to all things. 
uh, and that nothing really exists independent from anything else. And there's all kinds of experiments they've done. Uh, one of my favorites is how uh, they would separate, um, you know, a subject and a study uh, into a room and show them pictures that would elicit an emotional response for them. And then they would take cells from their body or from their saliva and they would, you know, move them miles away and they would actually uh, see the same reaction, even though there was this distance between the cells and the person that was having the reaction. And so this concept of wholeness, this concept of oneness is being very much scientifically proven in our modern time. So what does that have to do with the language of the heart, Shalise? Why, why are we even bringing this up? Uh, I'm bringing it up because our life uh, is generated from our internal world, okay? And our thoughts are tangible. They have the ability to influence not just our own bodies. They have the influence to heal us. They have the influence to make us sick but they also have the influence to create, um, uh, you know, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Meaning our thoughts, which in Hebrew, they thought were generated from the heart, right? Our thoughts become reality. And I've taught a lot about this, you guys. I mean, I've taught about experiments. I mean, let's just, let's not even talk about that. Let's talk at a high level about, once again, about the nocebo effect and the placebo effect. You guys have heard about the placebo effect, I'm sure, because if you have heard about anything in modern medical research in, you know, the use of pharmaceuticals, they have to take uh, into account that there is something called the placebo effect. And what it basically means is that when they test a new drug, that they put people into study groups and one group they give the new drug to and in the other group they give what they call a placebo to. And the placebo is just like a sugar pill. And what they have found is that when people believe that they are taking medicine that can heal them, even if it's a placebo, even if it's a sugar pill, there will be a physiological outcome in a percentage of the subjects that are being studied. Meaning just belief alone is causing the body to respond in a certain way. They've done studies where they performed, they were going to do knee surgery for people that had some type of knee problem. And some of the subjects, they actually performed the, sub, the, the, the surgery. And then in the other study group, they just kind of pretended they did surgery where they went in, made an incision and then sewed them back up. But they didn't do any procedure. But just because the people thought that they had surgery, they had a scar, they thought it, well, guess what? They got well. And so this placebo effect is just this idea that that really scientifically backs up that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, right? That our thoughts create a physiological response in our body and that what we believe affects an outcome, right? There's been studies about our imaginations and the ability to, I mean, this is something they do in Olympic athletes, right? This is something that they, they've done with studies. And I've talked about this one before where they took two study groups and they put one group into, uh, it's, they were going to work out. So they were going to go work out at the gym for eight weeks and do some type of exercise. I think it's eight weeks, but then, then they took the other group and they said, you're just going to imagine working out for eight weeks. So they just imagined going to the gym, doing the same exercises as the people that were actually going to the gym. And at the end of the study, there was the exact same muscle mass as in the group that just imagined working out is in the group that actually worked out. So 
What do these studies show? Well, number one, they show that the principles that were, were being taught in the Bible, right? That as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, or are absolutely valid. You know, Jesus said over and over again, um, you know, uh, you know, daughter, go in peace. Uh, your faith has made you whole. He would say things like, um, uh, be it as, you know, be it unto you, um, as you've believed, right? You know, so this, like the, you know, people were kind of determining what they believed. I mean, the woman with the issue of blood decided she made a decision. Probably they would say in her heart, right? She kept saying to herself, she kept using words. She kept thinking, if I just touch his garment, I will be made whole. And of course she touched his garment. Jesus did not even know who touched him and said, okay, I just felt virtue flow out of my body who touched me. And so Jesus wasn't in control in that instance of that woman getting healed. The woman purposed in her heart and, and believed something and then healing power manifested from Jesus because she believed this. Now I know that these, these scientific studies in one sense absolutely validate scripture. But they also cause some problems in our theology because they're working for anybody, right? They're working for people that aren't necessarily using scriptural principles. And what this tells us is that human beings are designed to function this way because we are made in the image of God, that all human beings are manifestors of their thoughts, that um, what people believe shows up <clears throat> in their body. Right. The nocebo effect is the idea that uh, you can think thoughts that make you sick. Right. There's lots of research that have been, you know, has been done out there between the 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 relationship between trauma and physical illnesses. Right. Of course, there's relationships between trauma and mental illnesses, but there's research and, and, and even mounting research about uh, how how trauma or, uh, you know, things that cause us pain in our lives uh, can make us physically sick. And the things that we believe can make us physically sick, right? There's, I know many, many stories and many studies that have been done about this. And so, you know, I'm not going to go into much more about that, except to just make the point that these, these concepts of our heart, these concepts of our mind <clears throat> and of our soul and of our spirit are very, very important. And just because we have a scriptural foundation for these things doesn't necessarily mean that we understand them. Uh, but I do want to say that what the scriptures teach, maybe not in the exact same language that we understand today, um, that these things are, are true. These things are true. And maybe, maybe Hebrew writers and Greek writers didn't necessarily understand the science behind things, but they did understand that faith was tangible. They did understand that, um, you know, when Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith, that, that what we believe is very, very important. Okay. And this is really the foundation, mostly of the work that I do, right? Because if we're going to encounter God and we're going to uh, live the life purpose that he has for us, then we need to think right, right? We need to believe correctly. We need to be able to live an integrated life that, that, that where our minds and our bodies and our spirits and our hearts are all online. You know, I just spent our entire last podcast talking about how important 
desire actually is as a motivator. You know, uh, our motivations are, are, are matter, right? I mean, most people haven't really broken down, for example, what actually motivates be human behavior. What, what, what is causing the human behavior? If we're to be motivated by God, if we're to be motivated by the spirit, to be compelled by love, to be moved by love, well, then what hinders that? What hinders us? What's driving us uh, besides the Holy Spirit? And where are those drives coming from? Well, uh, you know, my goal in all of this is to kind of unpack it so that we can, number one, just understand it. Because, you know, my people perish for lack of knowledge. When we don't understand these things, first of all, we have a lot of, um, I just want to call them what they are, religious ideas. And, and frankly, I want to call them superstitious ideas about um, the things that we experience, okay? One in particular, okay? Let me just use one example. We have spiritualized something, where we have demonized something that frankly does not need to be demonized. And it's, you know, in, in again, in charismatic circles, it's gonna, we're gonna talk about it like a spirit of strife, okay? And we, we think about this as kind of like the spirit that comes into the room and causes conflict in churches, cause conflict in our marriages, cause conflicts in our homes and in our, you know, in in our children and those things. And we'll say, you know, this person is carrying a spirit of strife. And what they don't understand is usually people that are operating in, in that understanding of how, of strife, for example. And I mean, I've read whole books on this, right? Is because they also don't have an understanding of what triggers are. And, you know, for my listeners, I want you guys to understand what a trigger is and how, what is a trigger, Shalise, and how, how is that operating? Well, <clears throat> what a trigger is, and let me, give me a moment to unpack this. Okay, what a trigger is, is let me let me back up for a moment, because let's talk about how our beliefs are formed. Okay, our beliefs, what we believe in our subconscious mind, what the Bible would say, what we believe in our heart. Okay, a man believes in his heart. Confession is made into salvation. So believe what we believe, right? The Bible talks about what we believe in our heart. But truthfully, beliefs are not stored necessarily just in our heart. Okay, they're stored in neural nets in our brain. Okay, our beliefs are stored in, in, in literal hardware called neural nets that are neurons firing when we experience certain things that are stored in our brain. But they're, they're also interconnected to our entire body because now they, the scientists have found that we have cellular memory. So truthfully, let me say it a different way, our beliefs are stored in our memories. Okay, our beliefs are stored and recalled through our, our, our memories. And we create neural nets through um, a lot of different ways, right? We, we create neural nets by through the process of learning. There's something called neuroplasticity that whenever we learn something new, we're creating new neural networks. We're creating new neural nets, new beliefs, new ways of being, new, new skills in our actual brain. I mean, when we learn to drive a car, right? It's through repetition that this neural net is created. The Bible would talk about that as a stronghold, okay? A stronghold where? Usually in our heart. Sometimes we talk about them being in our minds, but it just means that there's a program, there's a belief, there's something that is now operating within us that is driving our behavior, that is driving our perception, that is driving our, our skills, that something that we're able to do. And so these neural nets, these strongholds, these beliefs are number one, right? They're, they're programmed into us like through repetition. But these beliefs are also uh, installed into us or imprinted into us through the experiences that we go through in life. 
And if you look at, for example, phobias, right? I'm a fear of water, a fear of flying, a fear of spiders, a fear agoraphobia, a fear of going outside. Let's just look at it like in a very uh, intense way for a moment. Well, there's those are always tied to an experience. And an experience installed a fear, in other words, a belief about water, a belief about going outside, a belief about, you know, flying. And it, it is now a stronghold. It's controlling that person because of that belief. But you guys, we have strongholds, neural nets, beliefs about everything. We have beliefs about money. We have beliefs about marriage. We have beliefs about sicknesses and diseases. In healing ministry, this shows up because most people believe like healing certain things is easier than others, right? So we believe healing a headache is easier than, you know, getting someone out of a wheelchair or something. Meaning these things show up in our lives every single day and they're programmed into us. They're imprinted into us, not just in our minds, but also um, in our, in every, our beliefs are, are, are global. Like we can't like dissect our, ourselves and find this belief. No, it's, 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 it's a part of who we are, you know? It's why as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's a part of our being. It's a part of who we are. And so these beliefs, you know, come through our life experiences. And I talk a lot about it. it's not necessarily what happens to us that that really causes us to suffer or causes problems in our lives. It's what we make it mean. And I talk a lot about this concept when I talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and even, evil and human judgment, meaning it's not the trauma or the, the, the painful experience that actually causes uh, us to uh, be triggered in a negative way or causes mental illness or causes trauma or causes you know post-traumatic stress syndrome. It's not the actual event that is causing, right? the PTSD or the, the trigger in our lives. What's causing it is the way that human beings um, process information. And so when we, we it, it's what they made it mean, right? So if I, you know, was a victim of a violent crime, okay, it's what I made it mean that actually gets installed and actually starts to control us, right? If I begin to believe that the world is dangerous, that I can't go outside after dark, if I believe that, you know, whatever, you know, um, you believe as a result of something that happens. And so what happens in a trigger is that we are stimulated through our five physical senses and we encounter a what we call a trigger, meaning there's our perception, the way that we interpret a current situation. What it does is it fires those neural nets. It fires those strongholds and we get a reaction, right? We get an emotional response. And many times we have a, a you know, just a, a words come out of our mouth or we we leave somewhere or something because all of a sudden we're being driven by this, this programming, by the things that we have believed over the course of our lives. And so I, now let me bring it back to, okay, how is this involved in strife? Okay. Because what happens is that people are triggering each other all the time. Not only are we triggering each other, but circumstances are triggering us all the time. Why? Because we're interpreting our lives through our belief systems. We're, we're interpreting, um, reality through the things that have been imprinted into us. And so 
but because we don't have a language or we don't have an understanding of this, right? We, what happens when someone is triggered, right? Is that they believe that the interpretation and the response that they're having right at that moment is based upon what's currently happening. In other words, my husband and I are fighting right now because I told him, I gave him directions in the car and he's just telling me, you know what? Just let me drive. Like you're trying to control me. And he's like upset with me because of something I did. But the truth is there is something inside of him. There is a, a an unresolved wound. There's an unresolved, um, negative meaning that is being elicited through this current circumstance. And so strife is not a demon that comes into our house to, to destroy our marriages and our families. Brokenness is what destroys our marriage and our families, right? It is these unresolved meanings and beliefs that are driving our behavior. And when people say, oh, I can feel the strife in this room, absolutely you can feel the strife in our room, in the room. It's because emotions are electromagnetic, okay? They are measurable. Our thought activity and our brain activity is measurable. And so the emotion of anger has a frequency that is measurable. And it is, if you are sensitive, you can feel it in the room. We can feel people's emotional states because they are electromagnetic and they have different frequencies. And the more sensitive you become, frankly, the more healed you become, uh, you will become, you become more sensitive to this. This is why people say, hey, I'm an empath. I can feel emotions in the room. So we have a lot of spiritual language around things that science is just now beginning to explain. And this is the way that it just is, okay? And so in the past, you guys, when, when, when spiritual people did not have an understanding of something, they explained it in terms of spiritual concepts. I mean, for years, you know, at the time that the Bible was written, people believed the earth was flat, right? The earth is round, but it is actually flat. And so this is not to, this is really to kind of demystify what what our life experience is really happening. Because here's the thing, as long as we're blaming the devil for things that are caused by our programming, we are not going to resolve anything. We're not going to heal anything because there's a source outside of ourselves that becomes responsible for our thinking. Okay. That becomes responsible for our actions. Something that we can blame outside of our own inner map and our own inner world, right? And so understanding the language of the heart is not just about the heart, right? It's about understanding the way that God designed the human race to function. And it's about, it's about us coming into a place of wholeness. Why? So that we can love. We can love ourselves the way that God does. We can love others the way that God does. And we can take personal responsibility for our own wholeness. Now, I'm not saying we are responsible for healing our past or healing our beliefs. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. He absolutely leads and guides us into the truth. And he shows us the future. He gives us a new vision. Okay, guys, sorry. I'm not sure what happened. It looks like I got disconnected. And I'm not really sure where I got disconnected. So I'm just going <laughs> to just do my best to, to, to hop on back here and wrap it up. Um, just to wrap things up. I mean, what I was basically saying is that over the, the course of this series, we're just going to continue to unpack uh, these concepts so that we can have a, a better understanding of how to interpret scriptures that talk about the heart. And um, from a modern 
you know, perspective of what we understand about the brain, about the heart, about the mind body connection, about quantum physics. And just, just why, why do I want to do this? Because you guys, it empowers us. It empowers us. We don't want to be people that operate out of superstition. We don't want to be people that operate out of ignorance. We don't want to be people that are blaming spiritual things, uh, when these are just, these are just human things. Okay. And I, what I want to do is I want to help you detox from religion. It's a big part of what I'm called to do. And why do I want to do that? Because I want to reach the world. I want us to have healthy families. I want us to be able to rightly divide scripture. I want us to be able to live in the truth. And I want us to be able to take responsibility for our own personal wholeness. And again, it's not when I say responsibility, I'm not talking about us doing this independent from the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying I want us to stop. I want us to take extreme ownership over our lives. I don't want us blaming other people for our personal emotional reactions. I don't want us blaming the devil and, 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 and without understanding what is driving people to act the way that they do. Maybe it's not the devil at all. Maybe it's trauma. Maybe it's something that they've experienced in their lives and get us out of the judgment role, right? Where we just are judging things as evil, judging people as evil. Because when we do that, guess what happens? Division happens. We separate from people because we don't understand that everyone has a lens through which they see the world. And then we, we separate, we judge and we, 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 operate out of self-righteousness where I'm right, you're wrong. And so therefore we can't belong. And so all of these problems that we experience in our lives and in our society, um, many times are just coming because people don't understand how God created human beings to function. And because we have the Holy Spirit and because we are one with Jesus, more than anyone, we need to understand these things. Because when we're operating with a knowledge of these things, now we can actually uh, change the world. We can actually bring spirit-led solutions into situations. And we can rightly discern what's going on rather than just having these blanket assumptions and this independent judgment of what actually the problem is. And so I'm not denying that we have an enemy. I'm not denying the accuser of the brethren. Uh, but I am uh, here to say that he's been defeated. And if he's not, not if the accusation is the power that he has, if deception is the power that he has, then we need to know the truth about how we renew our minds. We need to know the truth about how we think and how we operate in the spirit and how we yield and how God uses us in the context of how he's designed us. And so that's it for today, you guys. Hopefully they're going to be, be able to figure out on the back end, you know, some of the technical difficulties we had so that this will all make sense. But God bless you. I love you. It's going to be a supernatural week. And just keep tuning in because it's going to be an awesome, awesome journey that we go on in this new series, The Language of the Heart. So God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. 
Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.